Welcome to Mornings with Jesus. This is a live, interactive Bible study where we can connect with Christ and community daily and deeply. Join us every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we read a chapter of the Bible, pray, and share our reflections. Whether you are joining live or on the replay, I know God will meet you here. I also want to invite you to the Faith Mamas Tribe app. This is a free app where women of faith can connect, be encouraged, and have their faith strengthened. It's the online social space I know you've been looking for. So make sure to do three things before we start. One, subscribe to this channel. Two, share this with a friend. And three, download the app. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Now let's dive into today's Mornings with Jesus. Good morning, everybody. And welcome to Mornings with Jesus. It's Monday. And if you are in the States, uh, it is like daylight savings. We had we lost an hour, I think it is. So I'm excited to see you guys this morning because even though it's 6 a.m., it feels like 5 a.m. So I'm really excited to see you guys this more this early morning. It's like still dark outside. If this is your first time here, hello and welcome. My name is Dominique Young, and I want to welcome you to Mornings with Jesus, where we study the Bible every single weekday morning, and we study a chapter of the day, and I'm excited. But before we dig into our chapter today, which is Joshua 5, I want to say good morning to some of my friends that I see here live this morning. Good morning, Nydia. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning, Ellen. Good morning, Lilith. Good morning, Brickell. Brickell, one day I want to get your actual name correct. I am like determined. Good morning, Nyler. Good morning, CJ. Good morning, Unique. Good morning, Brooke. Good morning, Lashana. Good morning, Natalia. Good morning, Tess. Good morning, Shabrina. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, Barb. Good morning, Donna, Donna Lanita. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, T. Horton. Good morning, Miss Margaret. Good morning, Bevy. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. And hello to everybody joining us on the replay, whether you're joining on YouTube or Spotify or in the app or, or on Apple Podcasts, wherever you are joining from, we are saying hello to you and we are glad that you are here. Great morning to you, Audrey and Teresa and Shanda. So excited. So, so excited to see you all here this early morning, this bright early morning. All right, you guys know how we like to do it. What are you grateful to God for this morning? What are you grateful to God for today? Even if you're watching on the replay, think about what are what am I grateful to God for? And begin to list as much as you can about what you're grateful to God for. For today, I'll go ahead and start. I am grateful to God for the amazing women that like give tirelessly uh, to the Faith Mamas tribe. Uh, I'm like so many people, but I just want to shout out a couple, uh, Lenita and Paulina, and the work that they're doing inside the app has been amazing. Donita and Chelsea, they've been working on like kind of helping me to figure out how to make the chapters run even smoother. So shout outs to them. Um, I'm just so grateful for 
for Kenda and Bailey. They are working on the devotional guides and all the devotional writers. Like it's just been absolutely amazing. And my cousin D and the entire retreat planning crew, like y'all are holding it down. Um, I just thank God for the women that are running chapters, the women that are running virtual groups, like all this stuff that's happening that people are able to jump into is because people were willing to volunteer. Like we don't have the finances right now to pay all these people. They were just willing to volunteer. And so I'm so, so grateful. I'm so grateful for our prayer team, Miss Margaret and Roma that jumped on yesterday and had that two hours of prayer, y'all. Two hours. They were willing to stay for two hours and pray. So I am so, so grateful for each and every one of you guys. And just, huh, I could, I could, I could just, God is so good. That's all I got to say. God is so good. And I'm so very, very grateful. Lilith says, I am grateful to God for being who he is. God, come on. Hallelujah. Raquel says, I'm grateful that he is working out things in my favor and blessing my family. Hallelujah. Bevy says, I am so grateful to God for life health, and a loving family. Amen. Miss Margaret says, grateful for a restful sleep last night. Amen. Janice says, for God's faithfulness, grateful for God's faithfulness and revealing next steps. Come on, right on time. Yesterday's prayer was time was awesome. Amen. And I remember you were talking about next steps. So I praise God that he's revealing. Hallelujah. Shabrina says, I'm grateful to God. <clears throat> the snow has stopped. Amen. Amen. T. Horton says, I'm grateful to God for the ability to read the word. Yeah, me too. And I'm so grateful that we get an opportunity to do it together, which is not like we have to realize that believers all over the world don't get this opportunity, depending on if they're in an area of persecution or what have you. So the fact that we get this opportunity, we're definitely privileged. And I'm definitely grateful for this opportunity to do what we are able to do. So praise God for that. Amen. Unique says, grateful for God's love. I'm grateful to God for the peace in my life and to see another day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good morning, Heidi. Shanda says, I'm grateful for all the ways God chooses to speak to me. I am thankful for the prayer yesterday morning. Roma was going in. Come on, won't she do? Won't she do? And thank you, ladies, for listening to the voice of God. Amen. Do you all hear that buzzing? I want to make sure. Do you guys hear that beeping sound? Because if so, I think I know what the problem is. But before I go upstairs to solve it, um, do you guys hear it? Let me know. I'm going to be quiet so you guys can tell me if you hear it. If not, we'll keep going because uh, maybe it's just me. No. Okay, great. We'll keep going. Awesome. Because <laughs> there's a thing in my house that does this buzzing, buzzing sound and bothers me. So I had to go upstairs and I have to flush the toilet and, it, and then, the, then the buzzing sound stops. Um, but if it doesn't bother y'all and if you can't hear it, I'm not going to go all the way upstairs to fix it. 
Um, so awesome. Mary says, I'm grateful for the prayer yesterday. Miss Margaret was on fire. Come on. Hallelujah. God is so good, right? God is so, so, so good. Amen. Unique says, grateful for God watching over my baby at night as she learned how to roll. Oh, yay. God is keeping her safe and comfortable in her crib. Amen. Oh, yay. I love those stages where they start learning different things. It's so fun. Nidius is grateful that I'm feeling better Saturday afternoon till this morning in bed when went out to lunch Saturday afternoon and after that got so sick. Oh no. Well, we are grateful that you are feeling a little bit better today and we will continue to keep you in our prayers. Well, y'all, we are about to jump into uh, Joshua. I was about to say Exodus, but we're about to jump into Joshua chapter five this morning, and it's going to be awesome. I did do a little bit of reading ahead, and I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go. I'm excited. I'm excited to read this with you all. Mary says, I'm grateful for the ability um, to, to read with you ladies. I'm grateful for the ability to just sit and speak when in a difficult season. Season, Amen. CJ says, I'm grateful to God for an amazing business fair team. Yes, I saw those pictures. That's so awesome. Sponsors and volunteers. Our event was a success. God gives you what you need when you need it. Come on. God gives you what you need when you need it. Tess says, grateful for God's love, peace, and strength daily. His mercy and faithfulness is never ending. Hallelujah. Latrice says, good morning and grateful for new mercies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ms. Marcus says, God is good to us. Amen. Brandy says, I'm grateful for a restful weekend. Amen. Good morning to Roma as well. We are in here, y'all, ready to study Joshua chapter five. I am excited. All right, y'all. Well, we are going to get ready to jump into prayer as we prepare to read Joshua chapter five. But don't let me stop your praise. If you still got a praise and you got to let it out, shout it out. Let us know. Put it in the comments. Even if you're watching on the replay, type it in the comments. Let God know that you're grateful. Shout it out to him. Don't let me stop you just because um, I'm about to pray us in to read this chapter. Even if you got to pause the video to just talk to God about how grateful you are to him. Do what you got to do, sis. Do what you got to do. All right, here we go. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into Joshua chapter five. Oh, Father God, first and foremost, Lord, we thank you, God, for bringing us together this morning and for giving us the opportunity to read your word. Lord, we know that there are believers all over the world that have to hide um, to be able to read the Bible, that don't have access to the Bible like we do, that can't do this on, on a live stream like we can. So, Father, we don't take it lightly that we are given this opportunity at this time. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity. We thank you, Father God, for the, the privilege of just being able to be in community and to study your word together. And, Father God, we also pray for our brothers and sisters around um, the world that may be suffering persecution, Lord, we pray that you would um, provide them with community as well, even though it may look different than what we're able to do. Lord God, I pray that they find one another and that they um, are able to encourage and strengthen one another as well. Father God, we pray that as we go into Joshua chapter five, that you will open our eyes, you will open our ears and our hearts to you, Lord God, to help us to see you, help us to know you, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would just draw us closer to you through the reading of your word. Lord, we thank you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Where you lead, God, we will follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I see Bella says grateful for his favors and blessings today. Amen. Roma says grateful, grateful, grateful. Come on. Joanne says, I am grateful for God's much needed rest. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, y'all. We are going to be studying Joshua chapter five. If this is your first time here, we read the chapter two times. Um, the first time, feel free to soak it all in and get a picture in your mind. The second time, take out your pens, your highlighters, and, be, and feel free to underline and highlight key words. Even if you don't really know why it's standing out to you, if it's jumping off the page to you, it's a good indicator that God wants to talk to you right there. Um, so highlight those words, highlight those verses, um, and make note in the margin of things that are sticking out to you or things that you're thinking. All right. Here we go. Joshua chapter five. I'll be reading from the CSB translation. You can feel free to read from whatever translation you have available to you. Here we go. Joshua chapter five. When all the Amorite kings across the Jordan to the west and all the Canaanite kings near the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the water of the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over. They lost heart and their courage failed because of the Israelites. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelite men again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelite men at Gabeth Herloth. This is the reason Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness along the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out were circumcised, none of the people born in the wilderness along the way were circumcised after they had come out of Egypt. For the Israelites wandered in the wilderness 40 years until all the nation's men of war who came out of Egypt had died off because they did not obey the Lord. So the Lord vowed never to let them see the land he had sworn to their fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. He raised up their sons in their place. It was these Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised since they had not been circumcised along the way. After the entire nation had been circumcised, they stayed where they were in the camp until they recovered. The Lord said to Joshua, today, I have rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you. Therefore, that place is still called Gilgal today. While the Israelites camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month. The day after Passover, they ate unleavened bread and roasted grain from the produce of the land. And the day after they ate from the produce of the land, the manna ceased. Since there was no more manna for the Israelites, they ate from the crops of the land of Canaan that year. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua approached him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I have now come as commander of the Lord's army. Then Joshua bowed with his face to the ground in worship and asked him, what does my Lord want to say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did that. 
Mm. All right, let's read this chapter one more time. Amen. Take out your pens, your highlighters, and let's read it one more time. Joshua chapter five. When all the Amorite kings across the Jordan to the west and all the Canaanite kings near the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the water of the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, they lost heart and their courage failed because of the Israelites. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelite men again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelite men at Gabeth Harloth. This is the reason Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness along the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who had come out were circumcised, none of the people born in the wilderness along the way were circumcised after they had come out of Egypt. For the Israelites wandered in the wilderness 40 years until all the nation's men of war who came out of Egypt had died off because they did not obey the Lord. So the Lord vowed never to let them see the land he had sworn to their fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. He raised up their sons in their place. It was these Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised since they had not been circumcised along the way. After the entire nation had been circumcised, they stayed where they were in the camp until they recovered. The Lord then said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you. Therefore, that place is still called Gilgal today. While the Israelites camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month. The day after Passover, they ate unleavened bread and roasted grain from the produce of the land. And the day after they ate from the produce of the land, the manna ceased. Since there was no more manna for the Israelites, they ate from the crops of the land of Canaan that year. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua approached him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I have now come as commander of the Lord's army. Then Joshua bowed with his face to the ground and worshiped and asked him, what does my Lord want to say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did that. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. And y'all, if you could pray for my nose, <laughs> I have the sniffles. Uh, Father God, we thank you, Lord, so much for the opportunity to read this word, Lord God, to read your scriptures, to, to read about the testimony of what Israel um, went through and all the things that, all the ways that you came through, all the things that you did as they went on their journey. Father God, we pray that as we move into a time of personal reflection, that you would help us to see you and to know you better, Lord, that we, you would help us to, to understand your heart. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for you leading us through this, Lord, and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. Let's move into a time of personal reflection, and then we'll come back for a time of corporate reflection. Here we go.
Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. We are reading Joshua. We read Joshua chapter five, and I want to give a little bit of background. So they are now in the promised land. So we have to understand this. They are now in the promised land. Um, even though they haven't conquered any territory or anything like that, they are now back in the promised land. And why do I say they are back in the promised land? Because we have to remember that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were already in the promised land. They just didn't really own space. They were kind of wanderers, right? So they were already in the promised land before Joseph got sent to Egypt through all the trials and things he had to go through in order to be there when the famine hit. And when Joseph was in Egypt, second in command in Egypt, he then brought his family to Egypt. So then his family came out of the promised land to Egypt, which was planned by God, right? But then they became slaves for over 400 years in Egypt because of all of this. And now for the first time in over 440 years, they are now back in the promised land. And this time they are going to inhabit the promised land and not just be wanderers. So now you see that the manna has dried up. And so now they are eating of the promised land and all the food that's there. So they're now kind of into the boundary of the promised land. They are so that's where they are. They've crossed over the Jordan and it's pretty amazing and awesome. And they are back where their ancestors were and the land that God had promised um, to Abraham. And so this is where we are in the story, in the Old Testament story. So I want to know what's standing out to you all. But I'm actually, ooh, I want to say something that's standing out to me real quick, real quick. It's the whole first part where it talks about the circumcision um, of the children of Israel. And you might be like, why is this standing out to you when you have like other awesome things that happen, such as the the um, the Lord of the, the, the commander of the Lord's army showing up? Like, why is this one standing out to you? I was doing some thinking as I was writing some notes in our personal reflection time about this idea of generational curses. First of all, the idea of generational curses is not, the term generational curse is not in the Bible, right? So the term that we have coined it, generational curse is not in the Bible. However, the scriptures that people take to imply that we can be generationally cursed are like Exodus 34, 6 through 7, or Numbers 14, 18, or Deuteronomy 5, 9 through 10. And in these scriptures, it basically says that the punishment for the father's sins are put on the children, right? The punishment for the father's sins are put on the children. The interesting thing is that he never really says that the curse that is given to the father is given to the children. Never says that. And then in Ezekiel 18, God basically clears this up and he's like, look, I need y'all to stop saying this particular proverb. I am going to I'm going to deal with whoever sins. It's not going to be like sin for sin. They're not going to have to pay for the sin of their father, but there is going to be some ramifications, but they're not going to have to pay for it. Anyway, so this all made me think about this particular thing because we actually see it playing out. So the children of Israel's fathers, right? The children of Israel right here, they did not do what God had told them to do 
which is circumcise their children, they did not obey God in a lot of different ways. And now their children are, are, are kind of being, are kind of reaping the consequences of that by having to be circumcised as older people. Like, <laughs> whoo, they're like grown men and they have to be circumcised because their parents didn't do it. And so what God has begun to show me, he's like, the idea of generational curses is not substantiated throughout the scriptures. However, this idea of generational disobedience is what we need to be careful of. Because the children of Israel right here could have said, nah, we're not going to get circumcised. It's fine. We're not going to do it. But then if they did, they would then reap the curse of their fathers. What was the curse? The curse was that you would have to stay in the wilderness, that you couldn't inhabit the promised land, that you couldn't you couldn't take hold of the promised land. That was the curse that their fathers had to endure. And because of what their fathers did, they had a they had to deal with being circumcised as grown men. There was something there was a little bit of things that they had to walk through because their fathers refused to do what God said. However, they were still able to go into the promised land. Why? Because it wasn't about generational curse. They didn't have to live under the curse that their fathers had to live under. It was about generational disobedience. Are you going to obey God or are you going to disobey God the way your parents did? You have a choice now, right? You have a choice now. Will you continue in disobedience when God said that you must be circumcised or will you obey God even though your parents did not? You have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice. And I believe that this particular scripture, I don't know why, it's like just hitting me so hard that we have a choice to obey God even if our parents did not. We have a choice to follow God, even if our parents did not. We are not stuck in our parents' decision. We may have to, we may have some things that we have to do because they didn't do it, right? We we may have some things that we have to start to do. Maybe we picked up some bad habits from our parents, right? Now we may have to learn obedience. We may have to learn some things we didn't learn from our parents, but we are not under a curse because of what they did or didn't do. We are not under a curse because they didn't obey God. We might have to deal with some consequences and some things, but we are not under a curse. They were not under a curse. They were blessed to be able to inhabit the land. Amen. Man, hallelujah. Genesis, so it would be better to refer to generational patterns. Yep, generational patterns, generational behaviors, right? We are breaking the pattern of disobedience from our past. Do it differently. Come on. We are breaking the pattern, right? They aren't cursed because they don't have to remain in the wilderness. They are blessed. They are blessed to be able to inhabit the land, but they now have a choice. Will I be disobedient? like my parents, or will I do something different? I have a choice. Woo, come on. I have a choice to, to do it different. Come on. I have a choice to do things differently. And I don't know who this is for, but I just want to encourage you. You're not cursed. You're not cursed. You're not cursed. If there is generational disobedience, we need to stop that pattern, stop that pattern so we can walk in the things of God. Come on, 
Stop that pattern so we can walk in the things of God. Hallelujah. Amen. So what's standing out to y'all? Because that thing hit me so hard as I was reading. Genesis verse one, Israelite enemies lost heart and their courage failed. Opposite of God telling Joshua to be strong and courageous. Joshua could do that because God was with him. Pre um, preparation for safety while obeying. Amen. CJ says verse 13 through 15 stood out to her. 13 through 15 says, when Joshua was near Jericho, come on, he looked up and saw a man in front of him with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua approached him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I have now come as the commander of the Lord's army. Can we just stop there? Woo, come on, hallelujah. First of all, many theologians believe that this is Jesus um, that is showing up in the Old Testament. However, I find the response amazing. Are you for us? Are you for our enemies? Are you for me? Are you for them? Neither. I'm for God. <laughs> I'm for God. Come on. I'm for God. So often we think, oh yeah, I need my angel. I need my this. I need my that. And we're like, hold up. They're for God. Like they're here on mission and assignment for, for God, from God. They respond to God. When we talk about heavenly beings, angels, things like that, they respond to God. Come on. They're not mine. They're not for me or against me. That's not the thing. They're for God, right? Hallelujah. Even when what Jesus came down on earth to do, he did it for God, right? Yes, he loves us, but he did it for God. Woo, come on, hallelujah. Genesis, circumcision, Passover, provision for the, from the Lord. Come on. Raquel says, verse 2 through 12, the importance of God's renewal of the covenant stood out to me. Come on, hallelujah. Heather says, circumcision, 14th day, holy ground. Woo, come on, these things are standing out. Hallelujah. Lilith also said, verse 13 through 15 stood out to her. Genesis verse 15, once again, Joshua is told, here is holy while in a waiting season. Come on. Genesis verse 14, the Lord is not on one side or the other. He is about his own business. We then are either from him, we, we then are either for him or against him. It is about God. Come on. Come on. It's God's agenda. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, are you for my enemies or are you for me? Neither. <laughs> I'm for me. I'm for God is for his plan. God is for his purpose. God is for his will. And now the question is, who side will you be on? Come on. Not God, are you on my side or on my enemy's side? No, no, no. Whose side will I be on? Hallelujah. Shabrina says, verse 12, when God moves you to a new season, he sometimes removes that which he provided before you can move forward into new provision. Come on. And that's, yes, she brings up when he took away the manna, right? They had been, they had been used to manna for 40 years or so. And now they're in the promised land and God's like, you don't need that anymore. You don't need that anymore. And sometimes what was a blessing in the last season can't go with us in the next. Mm. What was a blessing in the last season can't go with us in the next. And we're like, oh, no, no, no. But I want, 
And God's like, oh, no, you don't need that where you're going. Come on. Hallelujah. Janice said, I noticed, too, that they took the next step of faith in eating from the land and then the manna stopped. Come on. Come on. Kai said, I love that once Joshua heard the man was the commander of the Lord's army, he instantly went into surrender mode. Come on, instantly went into surrender mode, laid out, <laughs> laid right out before him. And this is one of the reasons why people believe that this is Jesus. Why? Because other angels, just angels don't accept worship. So sometimes you see there's a particular um, one that shows up um, and accepts worship. And they believe that whenever we see, because a lot of times you'll see angels, if it's an angel, they say, oh, get up. Uh-uh, don't be worshiping me. No, 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 you need to get up. I'm just, a, I'm a servant of the Lord, just like you, get up. But there is a particular one that shows up um, and when they worship him, it's okay. He doesn't stop them. That's why many theologians believe that this is um, Jesus in the Old Testament. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Janice said, so it would, yeah. So she was talking about the generational patterns. Absolutely. Karen says the whole chapter is so good. I can only imagine what being circumcised with a stone knife must have been like. Using stone instead of another element has some significance. Come on. Come on. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. Who is that? Jesus. And what does circumcision represent? We see the transition in the New Testament that God is saying, you, you, I really want your heart to be circumcised. I want the flesh of your heart to be circumcised. And who is that done through? That is done through Jesus Christ alone, through following him, through becoming his disciple. What, what then we learn? We learn how to live the way that he teaches us and the flesh begins to get cut off by who? By him, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Woo, she said the stone knife had a purpose. Yes, it did. Audrey said, verse one, God was uh, holding back the hand of the enemy until your assignment is complete. But you must have courage and faith to believe and trust God. Hallelujah. Latrice says, verse 14, neither. It may benefit me, but the story is way bigger than just me. Come on. Woo, can we read that one more time? It's Joshua chapter five, um, starting in verse 13. It says, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn in his hand. So sword drawn in his hand. Come on. Sword drawn in his hand. Joshua approached him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I have now come as commander of the Lord's army. What does this mean? That, that the Lord has now sent this person who we, who theologians believe is Jesus to fight, to fight the battles that were about to happen. The commander of the Lord's army is now here. Why? Is he here to protect Joshua? No. Is he here to protect the children of Israel? No. He's here to do the will of God. He's here to do the will of God. Might that include protecting Joshua? Yes. Might that include protecting the children of Israel? Yes. But this is because this is what God wills, not because this is what the people want. Right? So we have to understand that that 
what the divine beings throughout scripture understand is that they serve God, not humans, right? They serve God, not man. And what man is coming to the knowledge of throughout the scripture is that we too also serve God. But we have to choose that, right? And so this is amazing. He's like, I'm not for y'all. I'm not for against them. I'm for the Lord. Ooh, come on. I'm for the Lord. I am for the Lord. I am here on mission and assignment from God. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 And like Kai said, when we recognize, do we surrender immediately? This is has really nothing to do with me. It's so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than what I want. It's so much bigger than who I call my enemy. It's so much bigger than, than, the, than the path that I want to take. It's about God. It's about his plan. His plan that will outlive Joshua on the earth. Come on. That will outlive the children of Israel. They don't even realize at this point how, how deep God's plan goes. But the, the commander of the Lord's army is there to make sure that God's plan is done the way God intended for it to be done. Brickell says, verse 15, God told Joshua the same thing as Moses. But the difference is that Moses led people away from captivity and Joshua was to lead and conquer. Be content with your purpose because of the way God moves it and uses you is different from everyone else. Um, to be content. Come on. So Moses had a job, right? And and I'm telling you, I'm sure many per people were like, Moses is going to take them into the promised land. But it was Joshua, right? That took them in. It was Joshua. And there was there were the only of the only other person that lived from that generation is Caleb. So we have Joshua, we have Caleb, and we're, we'll hear a little bit more about Caleb um, as we go on. But we've got, like, like you said, we've got to be content with what God, what part God has us to play. Why? Because it's not about us; it's about Him. When we get to the point where it's not about what I want, it's about what God ordained. It's about what God put in motion. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Latrice says, verse 15, this is exactly what happened with Moses in the very beginning. That burning bush, God told Moses, take off your sandals. I will take you from Egypt and bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Come on. And here they are now. And Joshua must take off his sandals. He was standing on holy ground. Come on. And get this. Oh, my goodness. When Moses took off his sandals, he was in the wilderness. He was actually on Mount Sinai. That's where the burning bush happened. And that's where they would later come back to to get the the um the Ten Commandments and all that stuff. So when Moses took off his sandals and was commanded to take off his sandals, he was in the wilderness. Come on. And when Joshua was commanded to take off his sandals, he was in the promised land. 
Both places were holy. Both places were holy. When Moses was commanded to take off his sandals, he was in the wilderness. When Joshua was commanded to take off his sandals, he was in the promised land. Both places were holy. Why? Because God was present in both places. Oh my goodness. Hallelujah. God didn't say, oh Moses, you don't have to take off your sandals here because this is the hard part. <laughs> this is the wilderness. You don't have to take off your sandals here because this is the wilderness. You don't, you know, whatever. No, he said, no, take off your sandals here. This ground is holy. And then we see Joshua, take off your sandals here. This ground is holy. Come on, it's holy in the wilderness and holy in the promised land. Why? Because God is there. Woo! It's not circumstantial. Come on, holy is not circumstantial. Being set apart for God is not circumstantial. God's not going to say, oh, well, the circumstances look hard over here, so I'm not really going to set that apart for me. No, no, no. It's holy in the wilderness, and it's holy in the promised land because God is there. Woo! Raquel says the wilderness and the promised land are both holy because God was holy, was there. Here is holy. Come on. Woo. Hallelujah. Janice said it's not the place. It's not the building. It's the presence of God that makes a space holy. Woo. Hallelujah. And that is why God can say, be holy because I am holy. A lot of times people get all worried about that particular scripture. How am I supposed to be perfect, God? How am I supposed to be this? I'm just a human. And God is saying, no, 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 no. You are holy and set apart because I am with you. You are holy and set apart because I am with you. It's not because of your situation. It's not because of your circumstance. Come on, I can call the wilderness holy and I can call the promised land holy. Wherever I am is holy. Woo! Wherever I am is holy. But God, the wilderness is hard. God, the wilderness is filled with challenges. God, all this stuff that, that Moses was gonna have to go through and all the things, how could you call this place holy? Because God is there. Come on. And we might look at ourselves, God, I'm a mess. I'm a mess, Lord. I, every time I try to get up, I feel like I fall back down again. I'm trying to follow you, God. And I feel like I'm making mistakes. How can you call me holy? Because I'm there. When we get the understanding that it's not the circumstance or the situation that makes something holy, it's God's presence himself. Come on, hallelujah. It's not the circumstances ability to be perfect by what we deem as perfect. It's God's very presence there. And if he calls it holy, it's holy. Why? Because he's there. Come on. Miss Margaret says he lives with us. He lives within us. Come on. Hallelujah. So I can't look at the wilderness and say, oh no, this, this, can't, this place can't be holy, God. I got to wait till the promised land for the holy part, right? I've got to wait till everything is perfect for the holy part. And God's like, oh no, here is holy because I'm here. 
come on, hallelujah. Because I'm here. Come on. Janice said, it's not a place. It's not a building. It's the presence of God. Karen says, holy is not circumstantial. Come on. Hallelujah. Tess says, wherever God is, here is holy. Come on, Melissa says, if you have God with you at all times, where your feet walk, the light can shine. Come on. Genesis, we are holy because we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. What does holy mean? To be set apart for God. To be set apart. This thing right here, this, this mountain that was in the wilderness, Mount Sinai that was in the wilderness. Why was it called holy? Because it was set apart for the purpose of God. And God then told him that he was going to meet him on this mountain again. And we see him come back to this mountain again. So whatever thing that God sets apart for his purposes is holy. So when we look at our life, God has set us apart for his purpose. So therefore, he can say, be holy. God's not asking. Come on. When God says this in the scriptures, when he says be holy, because when the scriptures say be holy because I'm holy, he's not asking. He's saying be. To you, this is. It's done. I'm not asking you to be holy. I'm saying you are holy because I've given purpose to you, God-given purpose, and I am with you, so therefore it's holy. Same thing with Mount Sinai. Therefore it's holy. Same thing with here, right here, where, where Joshua is in the land of Canaan. Therefore it's holy. Therefore it's holy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ellen says, when we're so focused on the outcomes of getting ourselves out of the wilderness situations, come on, we can miss God's presence. God's timing is seen in the scriptures. How often do we rush from a holy place because it's a hard place? How often do we rush from a holy place because it's a hard place? If God set this situation or circumstance aside for his purposes, it is therefore holy. If God is here, it is therefore holy. How often do we rush from the holy place because it's hard? Come on, Heather says our Sabbath day is holy, right? Absolutely. It's, it's a day that's set apart, set aside for God. Come on. Hallelujah. God calls it holy. So often we look for holy in the circumstance. Oh, this can't be holy. This can't, I can't be holy because of all my mess. This can't be holy because this place can't be holy because it's hard, because it, it resembles wilderness, because it resembles difficulty. Where God is, 
and what God has given purpose to, it has been set apart. It's therefore holy. Holy does not mean perfect the way we understand perfect. Holy means to be set apart for God's purposes. Hallelujah. Genesis never thought of it when in, when in reference to the Holy Spirit. Holy, come on. Holy is set apart. The spirit is the part of God that is set apart for the specific task of being in us, guiding daily, never leaving. Come on. Woo. Barb's is interesting. So all this time I'm trying to be holy when holy is because of God's presence. Come on. And when we realize that, when we get that picture, when we understand why God could so distinctly say, be holy. When we understand that and stop trying to be holy, holy is what God says. When God comes into a place and he comes to the Mount of Sinai and he says, this, this ground is holy, take off your sandals. Come on. Why is it holy, God? Because I said so. And because I'm here. And because I have a purpose here, come on, it's not something we can earn. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, everybody was trying to earn being holy. Everybody was trying to be, oh, I am holy because see, look at my life. No, look, we don't get the right to determine what's holy or not. Come on. Oh my gosh, Lord. We don't get that right. We don't get that right. God gets the right. God has the authority to determine what's holy and what's not. Why? Because holy only exists when he's present. Woo! Hallelujah. Melissa said, we spoke of omnipresent and Holy Spirit yesterday in church. It was very moving and enlightening from our pastor. Come on. Come on. Ellen says, I'll be holy once this is over is a thought I have sometimes. But God is holy. Come on. God is holy. And he says, he says, he says to Moses in the wilderness right here is holy. Come on. He says to Joshua right here is holy. Joshua couldn't walk up in the wilderness and take off his own sandals and be like, oh, this must be holy ground because I done made it to the promised land. Ooh, let me take off my sandals. This holy, I declare it's holy. No, no, no. We don't get that right. We don't get that right. Holy is determined by God. The Pharisees and the Sadducees looked at Jesus and determined, oh, no, he couldn't be the holy one. He can't be the holy one. The Holy One is supposed to look like this. The Holy One is supposed to be this major soldier. The Holy One is supposed to be super strong. The Holy One is supposed to be big. The Holy One is, they had all these things that the Holy One was supposed to be. But God is like, you don't get that right to determine what's holy and what's not. That's my job. Come on. So many people said, can anything good come out of Nazareth when Jesus was here? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's from Nazareth. Can't be holy from Nazareth. You can't if God says you are. Come on. We have a picture of what holy looks like. And God's like, get rid of the picture. 
Ain't nobody tell you that that's what, that get rid of the picture. What you think, get rid of it. Get rid of the picture. Cause you'll miss me. Get rid of the picture that somebody told you, well, this has to be together and this has to be together. Da, da, da. No, holy comes when God says it's there. When God says this has been set apart, this person has been set apart. When God says it, it's done. I can't look, I can't, I can't look and perceive holy. I have to listen for God and trust him when he says it is. Come on. So when he says that a mountain in the wilderness is holy, then it's holy. When he says that the promised land, the land that you are on right now is holy, then it's holy. When he says a person coming out of Nazareth is holy, then he's holy. And when he says to you and I, be holy because I'm holy, then you're holy. You are set apart for the purposes of God because the presence of God has declared it so. Holy, come on, geez, Louise. You are set apart for the purposes of God because the presence of God declared it so. The mountain that Moses was on in the wilderness was set apart for the purposes of God because the presence of God declared it so. The ground that Joshua is now on was set, set apart for the purposes of God because the presence of God declared it so. It was holy. And as disciples or followers of Jesus Christ, we are set apart for the purposes of God because the presence of God declared it so holy. That's what holy is. That's what holy is. That's what holy is. Anastasia said, did the time change? It did, sis. It did. I should have put it in the app. The time did change here in the States. I forget, it doesn't change everywhere. I've got to remember that. Ellen says, the only thing to strive for is God's presence and being open and present to it. Come on. Ah, there's a scripture. I'm going to look it up because I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to get it wrong because what she said really just hit me. Ah, here it is. So she said, the only thing to strive for is God's presence and being open and present to it. John 17, three, it says this. It says this in the NIV. It says, now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This thing hit me today or, or over the weekend, actually. It hit me. It says, now this is eternal life. What is eternal life? That they know you. What? Now this is eternal life. That they know you. When we begin to realize that God is not trying to get us to be, like, fix ourselves. 
When we get the understanding that God is not trying to get us to fix ourselves, he's, he's getting us to the place where we're now reconciled back to him and where we're hearing him and where we're, we're, we're surrendering to him and trusting him. And where our desire is not to, oh, I got to fix myself. I got to fix myself. When our desire is just to know him. God, I want to know you. I want to get close to you. Because guess what? When we desire to know a person, when we desire to get close to them, when we desire to be friends, when we desire, things about us do change. Things about us do change. And that that's what happens when we get into when we get into God, when we get into his presence, when we decide to know him. The scripture says, this is eternal life. That you may know me, that you may know God. That's eternal life. That you may know God. And recognizing that wherever he is and where whatever he gives purpose to is holy set apart for him and his purposes. Are we okay with that? Are we okay with that? Genesis, I think we confuse the be holy and be perfect. Matthew 5, 48 verse at verses as saying the same thing. However, the Greek word for perfect means mature. Yeah or whole or complete, right? Complete. Developed into a consummating completion by fulfilling the necessary process of spiritual journey. Come on, be complete, be, be mature. Come on, so come on, Janice digging into the original language. Woo, hallelujah. Be complete. Colleenus is very true, set apart for the purpose of God. We have to be set apart. We can't influence the world while being like the world. Yeah. And how are we, how are we set apart? How are we changed? Our lives are changed by following Jesus. Just following him, getting to know him, getting in his presence. I tried to do it in the reverse. I tried to do it in the reverse. I tried to make myself holy or what I thought would be holy or make myself deserving of being holy. I don't know if anybody else has ever done this, but I tried to, what is it called? I tried to do all the things that I thought were right, right? And I couldn't sustain them. Why? Because I was doing them in my own strength. I was trying to prove that I was something, but you know when, but you know when um, these things are sustained in my life, the change is sustained. It's when I spend time with God. It's when I spend time with God. Hallelujah. It's when I spend time with God. Hallelujah. God is so good. 
God is so good. I don't know if this takes pressure off of you, but it does for me. Because I realize that I have one job. Keep my eyes on God. I have one job. I notice I have one job. Keep my eyes on God. God determines holy, not my actions, not me being in the perfect place. God changes my heart. Come on. We saw it here. The, the, the symbolism from the circumcision with the flint. Right? The stone cutting away the flesh. Who is the stone in our lives? Christ. Keep my eyes on God. Christ will cut away the flesh in my heart. Come on. I've, I've witnessed, I've seen him do it. My job is just keep, keep my eyes on God. And one of the things that helps with that is surround myself with people that will direct me back to God when my eyes get to wandering. Keep my eyes on God. That's my job. We see so much here. The stone for the circumcision being a symbolism of Jesus. He's going to cut away the flesh. Hallelujah. Just keep your eyes on him. Follow him. That's it. That's my part. God's going to determine holy. He sets me apart. Not me. I don't have that right. I don't have that right to determine anyone holy or not holy. I don't have that right. God does. I don't have to make that decision. God does. Keep my eyes Hallelujah. Keep my eyes on God. Woo. And then I also, this whole chapter, man, then I also don't have to determine myself as cursed. Well, my parents are cursed and therefore I'm cursed. And we see that at the beginning. Just some of the things that God showed us. I don't have to determine myself as cursed. Just because of something my parents did. What did they do at the beginning? Just keep my eyes on God. God said circumcised. Now I'm going to do that. I'm going to just do that. I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to follow God. God's got the rest. I can trust him. I can follow God. That is my part. My part is not to determine who's holy and who's not. My part is not to determine how to how to cut off the, the flesh of my heart, my life. My, God, my job is to put my eyes on God and follow him. Why did Jesus Christ tell his disciples, follow me? Why? Because that's our job. That's our only job. And he says, make disciples. What is a disciple? Someone that is a disciplined follower of somebody. He didn't say make converts. He said, make disciples, disciplined followers of Christ. Point people back to following Christ. Woo-wee. And how do we follow somebody? We keep our eyes on them. That's my job. When I am in, when I am literally driving behind somebody and I've got to follow them, I don't have access to a GPS. They're the only ones that know how to get where we're going. I have to keep my eyes on that car that I'm following on the road. That's my job. 
My job is not to determine where I'm going. My job is not to find a shortcut. My job is not to criticize their driving. My job is to follow that car. Woo! My job is not to determine, well, I don't know if we should be taking this road or maybe we should go on that road and I don't know and what kind of car they driving. I don't know if they're good enough. No, no, no. Our job is to follow that car. If we know that that car, if we're driving and we know that, that car knows where we're going and I don't know where we're going. I have no GPS. I don't got MapQuest. I don't got anything. That car knows where we're going. I keep my eyes on that car. Follow God. That's my job. Genesis, they were so vulnerable at that point. Every single fighting male was incapacitated at the same time. Yet God arranged it in such a way that their enemies had lost heart. So wouldn't even know. Come on. So when God tells you to, tells them to circumcise themselves with their now in the promised land, surrounded by other nations. God, why wouldn't you tell us to, to circumcise when we were in the wilderness, Lord? Now I feel like we exposed. Look, that's not my job. My job is to follow God. It's not my job to determine, well, God, I think you should have done it when we was back there. I think you should. No, my job is to follow God. And if I don't know how to follow him, I stop and I learn how to follow him. I learn how to hear him. I really believe that that's one of the things that as the body of Christ, we've got to get better at doing is helping people to learn to follow Christ, to learn to hear him, to learn to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not in some weird five-step formula way, but by just reading the scriptures. Because as we read the scriptures, we begin to understand the character of God. What he would say or wouldn't say. There's some things that we understand about God now. That when we start getting ideas that are contrary to that, we're like, oh, no, that can't be God. That is a part of hearing God. That is a part of learning how to follow God. When I'm now in the scriptures and I see how important rest is to God, but then I have this thing in my mind that's like, you got to go. You got to do it. You got to. And it's just like urgency and like anxious and all this stuff. I can say, you know what? That's not God. Why? Because I've been reading the scriptures. And I can I understand how God moves. So even though it might look good, I can determine this is not the way of God. If, this, if I have to work so hard that I never have a Sabbath day, but God says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Like, but I don't have time. I just go, 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 go until I burn out. It doesn't seem like God. I can now I can now understand why through the reading of the scriptures and through seeing how God has operated across time. That's a part of hearing and following God. Right? That's a part of hearing and following God. Or when you're reading the scriptures and then all of a sudden you get this like unction to to 
to go and apologize for a wrong that you've done. That's God. He'll lead us and guide us. And a part of learning how to follow him is to sit for a little while in the scriptures when I don't know how to follow Christ or when I'm not quite sure is to sit in the scriptures and to read it, not, not to get my re-up for the day. This is the, this is the danger. And what we have to be careful of in this generation as being a believer, we're constantly looking for our encouragement for the day. We're constantly looking for our word, the thing that's going to help us continue, the thing that's going to get us excited. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we do need like a, a pick me up. But when we go into the scriptures, our, our focus should be, Lord, show me you so that I can follow you. And if I don't know how to follow you, that's okay. I'm going to learn. <laughs> Lord, show me. And as we read this scripture, one of the big things that I take away, and go ahead and type in, what is your big takeaway? What is the timeless truth that you are pulling out of this chapter? Type it in the comments. What is the big timeless truth that you are pulling out of this chapter? The big timeless truth that I'm pulling out of this chapter right now is that where the presence of God is and what he has purposed, that is holy. And only God can determine holiness. I'm pulling that out. I don't know where God's going to pull that out of me, but but this but this is where I'm going to understand as I walk through my life that that God determines holiness. And that helps me to know how to follow him. So that when I get to a place and God has called me to do something and I'm in a place where I'm like I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I and I go through all the reasons why I can't I'm going to remember, oh, but based on scripture, I don't get the right to determine if I'm good enough or not. Only God does that. Not, not someone else, not anybody. God determines who he will use, what situation he will use. And I'm learning that through scripture. This also stops us from blindly following people that said, oh, I believe you have a call on your life and you're supposed to be preaching. You better wait till God says it, till God determines that thing, till God lets you know, because I realize through scripture, it's not anybody else's job. It's God's job. Now he may use somebody to confirm something he's already doing in me. But if the only time I ever hear that I'm supposed to do this and that is from somebody else's mouth and I've never heard it from God, I've got to be careful because throughout scripture, I see that it's God's job to do that. This helps me follow him and not get caught up in who prophesied to what and who prophesied me to who. I better wait till I hear God because that's God's job. It's fine for somebody to confirm that thing. God may send some confirmation and he does oftentimes, but God does it. Or somebody comes up to you and says, I believe that you're supposed to help me finish this project. Okay. That's nice, but I got to know that God said it. Why? Because I see throughout scripture that it's God who gives purposes. Right? So this helps me follow God and not get caught up in, oh, this person needs me. Oh, this person wants me to help them with the project. Oh, this, this pastor so-and-so and prophet so-and-so and da-da-da-da-da wants me to help them. Oh, I feel so honored. Da-da-da-da, all this stuff. Okay. 
But according to scripture, this helps me to follow God. This helps me to follow God. So what timeless truths are you pulling out from this, from this chapter? It might just be one. You might still be fiddling with it. But what timeless truth are you pulling out? Because that timeless truth will help you follow God. It'll help you follow God. Sometimes we think that following and hearing God is all about hearing an audible voice, but it's also about understanding character. Some of us are still following the wishes of our mother or grandmother, even though they passed away. How do we still follow them and their wishes and their character and, and, and the things that they would want us to do? How do we still follow them when we can't hear them? Because we understand their character and what's important to them. There's still some things that were important to my grandmother that I'm still walking out today. But she's not here to tell me. I don't hear her voice all the time. So how am I still following her? Because I know what's important to her. I know her character. I can follow her because I know her. Whether she's talking to me or not, I just know what would be important. There used to be these armbands that would say, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's an, that is a way that people follow Jesus by thinking about what he would do in the situation. By, but the only way I can do that, the only way I can think about what he would do in this situation is I got to know him. CJ says, holy is here because God is with us. Wherever God is, there is holy. Come on and grab that and we, we walk that in our life. That's how, that's how the scriptures dictate our life in a sense is when we pull out the timeless truth and realize what God is saying to us today. Some of us are like, I've never heard the audible voice of God. That's okay. It doesn't mean you don't hear him. And, and get me, get me with this. Sometimes we're waiting for the mountaintop experience that Moses had, but we don't realize that we have the Holy Spirit within us. And so when we read the scriptures, like for instance, Ellen had said something really powerful today. She says, the only thing to strive for is God's presence and being open and present to it. How did she get that? Did she hear the audible voice of God? I doubt it. I mean, she can correct me if I'm wrong. However, what she said matches the character of God. How? Because the scriptures, she's learning about God in the scriptures. And as she learns about God in the scriptures, she can hear or see what God is showing her. That is a part of hearing God. I just pray that we know that. I pray that you know that so that we take these things seriously, so that we take our time um, while we're studying the scriptures. So we take that seriously so that we hold on to the things that we're learning. Bevy says, the timeless truth I'm getting from this chapter is that I'm different and I have been set apart for his service. Come on. And then we ask, is that timeless truth? Is that timeless truth true throughout scripture? It is. It is. Genesis, to know him, you have to spend time with him yourself. 
not only take what others say, we can't know people based only on others' perspectives that get skewed. See God himself to know who he really is. Come on, Brickell says, I needed to hear that because at times I don't believe he is speaking to me. When we notice that thoughts and things align itself to scripture, right? And align itself to the way that God moves. We've got to give God credit. We've got to give God credit. Maybe we're waiting for him to speak to us like our best friend speaks to us. But it's God's decision on how he's going to talk, not mine. I can't say, well, God, I want to hear you like this. I've got to trust God. I got to trust you to lead me. And I can see based on the scriptures, the character of God. Right? Based on the character of God, I can read and I can see and I can understand. And we are learning. We're still learning God. We're learning his character. We'll be learning him for the rest of our lives because in John, it says, this is eternal life that you will know God. So the, our whole life is about getting to know him. Our eternal life is to know him. And so I encourage you when we have times like this together in the morning or when you have times in the morning or throughout the day on your own or wherever, I encourage you to identify the, the, true, the timeless truth that God is directing you to and look and see how it plays out throughout scripture and hold on to it because God is showing you himself so that we aren't tricked and bamboozled into doing things that God is like, I, it's not even my character. I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is so good, y'all. God is so good. And do you realize that throughout scripture, this, this thing hit me. Throughout scripture, God is God is not in a rush. Did, everybody, did anybody ever realize that? Like with the children of Israel, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And you don't see God like, I guess we can't do my will now because it's been 40 years. Like God is not in a rush. This thing helped me so much when I began to realize the character of God and I began to see that God was not in a rush and I began to get a picture. Could you imagine a, an a rushing Jesus, Jesus rushing around trying to do, like you don't get that image of Jesus when you read about him. Why? And then it hit me, God is eternal. What does he have to rush for? So any thoughts of rushing and anxious and I gotta, I gotta do this, I gotta, that can't be God because throughout scripture, God doesn't function in a rush. In this constant urgent place, this helps us to follow God. The more we learn about how he moves, the more we can follow him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My job is to keep my eyes on God. That's our job, y'all. Latrice says, yeah, 
Like it's things my kids know not to ask me now. Yeah. Or say to me because they know me. Right. You don't even have to say it. They just, they know. <laughs> oh, there's so much of our human language that is nonverbal. But yet, there's so much of our human communication that's nonverbal, but yet we often only think that God will only speak to us verbally. We spend most of our human time communicating nonverbally with our eyes or with our with our motions. Ah, we can go all day. We can go all day, but I pray that you guys know that the time that you are spending with God, whether it's here in Mornings with Jesus, the time you are spending in the scriptures is it is helping you to hear him. And I encourage you that whatever things that he highlights to you, that you would take them and that you will continue to study them even after we're gone. Anastasia, God can speak to us through any means, scriptures, situations, thoughts. Sometimes some something someone said, for me, it has happened this way. And when I release it, I find peace for whatever my situation um, at that time was. Yeah. And one of the ways for me that helps me to identify whether I'm hearing from God or not, sometimes very clear, sometimes I'm like, huh, is does this align with the scriptures? And the more that I know and the more that I understand, the more that I see. Because there's been times, y'all, that I believe I was not following God, but I didn't know. I thought I was. Like I was working, 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 going, 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 going. And I thought that's what God wanted me to do. But as I got more in the word, I'm like, this is not aligned with his character. There's something I'm mishearing. So this is why I say, you utilize the scriptures to understand God's character as you move forward. And he will He'll speak to you through anything, but it will always align back to his scriptures. It will. And the more we know his scriptures, the more we can see that line when the line is there. God is good, y'all. God is awesome. God is awesome. I'm excited to see what God does in each and every one of our lives from what he's showing us in the book of Joshua through the book of Exodus. Like I literally, I talked to Lenita a couple of days ago. And we're about to close out. I talked to Lenita a couple of days ago and she said, I'm incorporating Sabbath more because of what I read. I realized that this rest is important to God. Sometimes we, we go, we scroll over things. And we don't realize how important it is to God until we dig into the scriptures, right? Because then we can see how God has, has interacted with people over time. Hallelujah. God is good. Colina said, wow, yes. Think about that, though. When you have someone you're taking uh, to keep looking at their, talking to keep looking at their watch, it doesn't make you feel very valuable. Jesus is always patient with us. I'm not saying there is nowhere anybody anybody has to be, but you know what I mean. Yeah, he is. He's patient with us. He's patient with us. And that's seen throughout scripture. It runs throughout scripture. It runs throughout scripture. These are timeless truths. We pull out scripture. Latrice says, this was such a blessing for me. I prayed this, this morning, God, I know you hear me. 
help me hear you. I almost didn't go to my computer this morning. Thank God for the Holy Spirit prompting my heart to get up. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. Bella says, as we, as we get closer to God, we know his ways are good for us to follow. Amen. And Bevy reminds us, here is holy. Today was great, y'all. Here is holy. Why? Because the presence of God is here. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you lead us. We thank you that you guide us. We thank you that you show us yourself. Lord, we pray that you will continue to teach us about who you are and help us to see you everywhere. Lord, teach us about who you are through the scriptures and show us who you are in our lives. Our desires for our eyes to be on you. For our eyes to be on you for our hearts to be toward you, for our ears to be toward you. Lord, we know how the world does things. We've lived in the world so long, or it feels like a long time to us. But Lord, we desire to know how you do things and understand how it's different from how the world does things. Lord, help us to not Take the way the world does things and try to apply it to your kingdom. Lord, teach us how to walk according to your ways. We love you, God. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know. I just feel like a like lighter. <laughs> like lighter. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, thank you, Erica. Like, comment, share, and subscribe. This will help this channel to continue to grow and to reach more for Christ and 
prayerfully, those that may have never read the Bible before will come and read the Bible and, um, and learn about God with us. Yeah. And if, if this ministry has touched your life in any way, if you would consider donating, um, it really helps us to continue doing this work and to do, you know, some of the other things that God has really placed on our hearts um, to do. I love you guys so very much. I would love to see in the comment section after I post this video, after it's done being live, I would love to see in the comment section what your big timeless truth takeaway is um, or multiples, whatever God has spoken to you, um, because I know that we can learn from one another. Um, yeah. Amen. God is good, y'all. I pray that you have an amazing Monday and God willing, we will be back here tomorrow as we study uh, Joshua chapter six. And it is definitely going to be a good one. I love you guys. Um, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye for now.